this. All right. <laughs> All right, y'all got a mission this week, and what I want you to do is I want you to reach out somehow to Linda and let her know that you missed her, that you couldn't be prepared for worship because she wasn't playing the piano, and we're not ready for this. But so y'all let her know how much she's been missed. And I'm sitting here, and I'm sitting here waiting for her to play, and it's not happening. And, and so, um, but uh, sometimes they need encouragement, let them know that, that she was missed today. So y'all do that. Get your Bibles turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I want to preach on faith and prayer. Mark chapter 11. Mark, Mark 11 is a very interesting chapter. In this chapter, it tells us about three trips that Jesus made to Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples were staying in Bethany, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. And we can see something special about the nature of the Lord's visits on these, three on these three visits. First visit was on Sunday. We preach about this all the time. We talk about this all the time. Uh, we call it Palm Sunday. Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He presented himself to the people as their long-awaited king, the Messiah. He then went to the temple and looked around, and then he went back to Bethany. Now, on his second visit the next day, Jesus again went to the temple, and on the way, Jesus and his disciples saw a fig tree, and it looked fruitful. It was green. It was full of leaves. But when Jesus came to it, he found there was no fruit on it. So he cursed the tree. So he would never, no one would ever go to it for fruit again. And this is a picture of uh, the people of Israel. With all their religious ceremonies and rituals, they looked like they were, very, they were spiritual on the outside, but the truth is they were spiritually barren. You know, it's not enough for us to look spiritual. We must bear fruit in our service to the Lord. Jesus then went to the temple and threw out uh, all the money changers and those who sold doves. In Mark uh, eleven seventeen, that's how I read the children. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. We're called to pray. And by cleansing the temple, Jesus showed his role as divine priest. Then he went back to Bethany. Now on the third trip, Peter sees the withered fig tree that Jesus had cursed. And Jesus then goes and challenges the authority of the scribes and the chief priests and the Pharisees and the elders. And then he spends the day teaching, and Jesus shows that he is the teacher and the prophet. And this is our Lord Jesus. King, priest, and prophet. But today I want us to focus on what Jesus teaches about the withered fig tree, the importance of faith and prayer. So let's read Mark chapter 11, starting verse 20. And the Bible says, And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest and withered is withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto the mount, this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, 
what things soever uh, you desire, when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for this time you've given us, Father. And Father, we thank you for your precious word. And as Gerald was talking about, Lord, we need to meditate on your word and to focus on it, Father, because there's, there's things in there you want us to understand and want us to know. Some things that we just can't really wrap our minds around because we're limited in our thinking and understanding. But Father, when we read your word, we need to grasp a hold of it, hold on to it, and believe it with all of our heart and with all the faith that we have, knowing that you'll do exactly what you said. So Father, help us, Lord, to learn more about how we should pray and about how we should have faith in you and how we should live a life believing that you have the power to do exactly what you say. Oh, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we all share similar goals. We want to live a life that's pleasing to God, and we want to see God work in us and through us. We long to see people saved and to see the church being strengthened. But who or what? Do we trust Him for these things? We know only God can do these things, but we often are guilty of relying on our own power, our own ability. Or maybe we, don't, uh, we doubt that God can change our situation. Our doubt is shown in our prayer life. We become slow to pray, or uh, we pray without faith. Now here in Mark, Jesus teaches His disciples what is necessary to experience the power of God. And the answer is simple. Have faith in God. Have faith when you pray. So first we see the call to faith. In verses 20 to 22 it says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw, saw the fig tree dried up in the roots. And Peter called into remembrance, uh, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curseth is withered away. And Jesus answered, saith unto them, Have faith in God. I think it's funny sometimes that when we, when we read about stories about Jesus and his disciples, uh, the one who always usually ends up speaking up is Peter. Peter had, had, always had to talk. He always had something he had to say. And the day before, they heard Jesus curse this tree. And now they were amazed that it was dried up and withered. Well, they should have been amazed, should they? If, if, God, if Jesus says it was going to be dried up, then it should be. Look at back at verse 12 through 14. It says, on the morrow, when they uh, came from Bethany, he was hungry. Talking about Jesus. And seeing the fig tree afar off, and having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he, came to, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Jesus let him know right then. He, 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 it looked like it had fruit. It looked like it was a, a tree that would bear much fruit. But when he got there, nothing. He was a little upset when he had been tricked. He had been fooled. So what did he do? 
He cursed and said, no one will ever come to you looking for fruit again. So they shouldn't have been surprised that Jesus spoke and it was done. But the disciples had a great need for faith. They were often shown in the Word of God uh, by the weakness in their faith. In Mark chapter 4, there's a storm on the sea. They thought they were going to die because all the disciples were on the boat. And Jesus was asleep. They wake him up and he calms the sea. And in Mark 4.40 he says, And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus called them to serve, called them to follow him to work. Nothing was going to happen to them as long as they were with Jesus. Because Jesus had a plan for their lives. They had no faith. The storm is all they could see. Our faith is not to be fluid. Sometimes I think our, 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 our faith, we think that faith is, is when something bad happens, we, we have uh, less faith. Or when something good happens, we have more faith. And our faith changes from day to day. It shouldn't be like that. Our faith should be constant, never changing, no matter the situation. The same faith they had in Jesus when he was working miracles and feeding the 5,000 is the same faith they should have had on him when they were in the storm. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, we need to hear Jesus call. Have faith in God. Not science, not your opinion, not your friends, not co-workers, not yourself, not your bank accounts. Have faith in God alone. He's the one who can change families and relationships. God is the one who with the power to work in us and through us despite our limitations. Making sure our faith is in God helps guide us in our prayers. So that we pray according to his will. Because if we think that, we, that there's power in faith itself, then we end up praying for whatever we want. And when we do this, we become frustrated that our prayers are not being answered. In 1 John chapter 5, starting with verse 14, the Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. It says according to the will. If we don't pray enough, if we don't uh, read God's word enough, if we don't attend church regularly, if there's no fruit in our life, and what are we putting our faith in? It's not God. But Jesus says, have faith in God. Second, we see the power of faith in God. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be ye removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. It's an impossible request, isn't it? I can't imagine looking at one of these beautiful mountains we have around here and just believing with all faith, believing that God's going to move that mountain and build it into the sea. And it happened. But that's not really what Jesus is talking about here, is it? Jesus calls his disciples to have faith in God 
but not only in the times and situations that seem possible, but also in the times when things seem impossible. Jesus gives an example here, how God can do what seems to be impossible in our minds when we come to Him in faith. We serve a God that can move mountains. I believe that one of the reasons why many of us do not pray more, and, and, and when we do pray, there's little conviction, is because we don't really, truly, deep down in our hearts, believe that, that what Jesus tells us about prayer is really true. I know we all have situations in our life, and we're all looking at things in our life, and, and, and I face this a lot. I, face, I see people who are facing things, and and it's, I, I, in my mind, I think it's impossible. I don't see how it's going to work. I don't see how they can work through this. I don't see how they're going to make it through this. Because our minds are very limited in how we think. But we serve a God who has no limits, who steps outside of time, who can do all things according to His will. And if we believe and trust in Him and believe it's God's will, then there's nothing our God can't do. But it takes us getting out of our own head and coming to him in faith and believing that God does what he says he will do. Jesus calls us to believe that our prayers are the greatest power that people on earth have. God helps us to take this to heart. That that's our power. In our Sunday school class, we're doing revelations and the, the trumpets are starting to sound. All right? Before the trumpet sound, though, an angel comes and takes the prayers of the saints in a, in, in a golden uh, vessel with incense and lights it on fire at the altar of God and then he takes the prayers and the incense and throws it to earth. Because judgment is not going to come on this earth until God's people begin to pray. This shows us that God moves to the prayers of his people. Judgment is coming and God's going to bring judgment but it takes God's people praying for the end to come. I'm telling you right now, it, 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 it's hard for me to wrap my head around. It. You know, I, I look at the children and I look at the, the trouble this world is. I look at the bombardment of evil on our children's eyes and the things that comes into their tablets and their phones and to the TV and through schools and things they have to suffer through. And I just say, Lord, come. Please come. Lord, take them out of this world before it's too late. It'll take God's people crying out to God and say, God, it is time. Jesus teaches that all things are possible with God. He can move the mountains. But the person of faith must make the request without doubting. James, five, uh, uh, James 1, uh, 5, and eight, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and unabraded, not. And it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. God wants us to be standing on the rock. He wants us to be firm and firmly grounded so that whatever hits us, nothing's moving us. Why? Because we're standing on Jesus Christ. But most of us are just wavering around, tossed by every problem. Every time a problem comes... We, we, we collapse and we fall and we're just tossed with the wind. Why? Because we let the situations move us. And God says, you stand on me, you're not going no place. You don't build your, hand, uh, your house on the sand, you build it on the rock. 
And now if you put it on me and you'll stand in no matter what storm comes your way. But when we pray without faith, we're just tossed around, blowed from every place, worried and worried, wringing our hands, saying, oh, whoa, whoa, woe is me. Well, ain't no woe, woe is me. If you're a child of God, you have God on your side. You have God guarding your life. You have God protecting you and leading you through this world. You have God to go to when you need help. Trust and believe in Him. Have faith in Him. We all have mounds in our lives that need to be moved. Not mounds like around here, but mounds inside your heart, inside your life, inside your mind. Um, doubt, anxiety, depression. Things that keeps us from moving or working for God. Maybe we are, maybe we are the mountains that God needs to move. Maybe God needs to move us to get us up off our seats and get working for Him. But do we trust God to work miracle in our life? Or do we come to Him in faith asking Him to do what seems impossible? If God doesn't answer the way we want, we must know that it's not because He can't. It's just not His will. And we must have faith in the power of Almighty God. Third, we see the action of faith. Look at verse 24. It says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Jesus shows us what is necessary in prayer. He emphasizes the need for faith and the power of God. Now he explains the way to show our faith in God. We must believe. We must believe. I, don't, I can't understand why it's so easy for me to believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. Why is it so easy for me to believe that I have eternal life? But I have trouble believing that God's going to take care of tomorrow or the day after that. Uh, I look at the problems. I look at bills. I look at the children. I look at sickness. I look at Henry. I look at all these things. I'm thinking, what's God going to do? How's God going to take care of tomorrow? He took care of my eternity. Why can't I believe him for tomorrow? This verse should encourage us to pray with confidence, but this verse is often misleading. It's not suggesting that God exists to grant our every wish, but that prayer must be made in submission to God's will. Only His will. In Mark chapter 14, verse 35 through 36, the Bible says, And he went forth a little and fell on the ground and prayed, that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not that I will, but what thou wilt. Jesus is in the garden praying. He don't want to go to the cross. He says, if there's any other way, I, I, let this cup pass from me. But he knows it's not my will, it's your will, Father. It's God's will. Jesus could have prayed for God to remove that cross, but he knew the will of God, and the will is the, our greatest mission. It's not what we want. It's not what we desire. It's not what we think or what we feel. It's what God says is what's important. It's his word. It's what he wants we must do, his will for our life. That's what's important. James 4, 2 and 3 says, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, 
yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, ye, that ye may consume it on your lust. James is very clear. He's saying, listen, you want this, you want this, you want this, you want this, but you don't ask the way you should. Because you shouldn't be asking for things that you want for, to, to satisfy your lust. You should be asking for things that satisfy the will of God. You should be asking things knowing that you're a part of God's will in this world. And God has things for you to do. God has a place for you. And if you're just wishing for things, for God to give you things, then you're not in His will. He'll not answer your prayers. He'll only answer the prayers that obtain to you doing what He calls you to do. We're not to pray based on our desires. We must pray based on God's will. To be alive and working in us and through us. And when we do this, we have confidence believing that God will answer. <coughs> we may not always know His will, but we always know He's able. And that's enough. That's enough. Too many of us lack faith, don't we? but God has the power to do all He says. Nearly a year ago, uh, December 1st, Dad died. And he's in ICU. And my sister called me late at night. It was about 3 in the morning. She said, Dad's in the ICU. And it doesn't look good, Brad. And I started praying. I said, Lord, heal him. Lord, take this away from him. Or Lord, at least give me the time to get down there and see him before he goes. I got up. Started getting ready. About 30 minutes later, Renee called me and told me, Dad's gone. Dad's gone. So I prayed God would heal him. He didn't heal him. I prayed to God would give me time to get there. He didn't give me time to get there. What does that say about our faith? It should say everything. Because he had the power to save him. He had the power to give me time to get there. But his will is greater than my desire. And that's what we need to hold on to. That's tough. That's hard for us to do. Because we care about me, 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 me. And God says, I care about you, but my care of you is I have a place for you to go when you pass away. When you leave this world, I've prepared a place for you. That's my care for you. Everything else in this life, you need to trust in my will. Trust in me. He has the power to do it, but is it his will? And we must not lack faith. But God has the power to do what he says. And we must uh, be faithful to pray to him. I know he's able. But we don't know his will. Finally. We see the prayer, the, we see the proper heart for the prayer of faith in verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have all against any. That your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespass. Here Jesus tells us uh, the importance of forgiveness. And this is important. We must come to God in prayer. We must come to Him with pure hearts. Uh, one of the most common ways we remain in sin is about withholding forgiveness. We refuse uh, to forgive people. And it hinders our relationship with God. Psalm 66, 18, 19 says, 
If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me and hath attended to the voice of my prayers. When you truly realize the forgiveness that God has given us, there is absolutely no reason why you cannot forgive anybody else. It's hard, isn't it? And we, we like to say things like, oh, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget. Or we'll say, uh, we will never have that same relationship we used to have. All right, this is one of my favorites. I think I've heard my mom and people say this before. But said, I'll love them, but I won't like them. And all these things, all, all these things that tell us that, uh, that we're holding bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart. And as we go to God with our request, we must be faithful to check our hearts. We should strive to love others as we have been loved and forgiven. God's forgiveness is wonderful, isn't it? Because none of us deserve what we get. Grace and mercy, none of us deserve that. Ephesians 4, 31-32 said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. It's only a right relationship with God. We will have the joy of knowing that we can come to Him, and He will answer our prayers and will hear us. The world needs our prayers. Our church needs our prayers. We need your prayers. So what did Jesus tell us that we need to know about faith and praying? Well, he tells us that uh, he is calling us to have faith in prayer. He wants us to see the power of the faith we have in prayer. He wants our faith to bring confidence in God's answer. He wants us to have a proper heart when we pray. Father, we pray in faith. He wants us to give forgiveness that we've been given by God. So church, where are we today? How's our prayer life? I spoke to these children up here and asked them if they prayed, and they said, yeah. And, uh, you know, we were really good about praying for food and for our meals, and we pray before we lay our head down to sleep at night, and, and, and that's very important, but as we grow in the Lord, we should be spending more time. Because as we get older, there's more things we need to pray about. We lose that innocence, that innocent faith of a child, and we become more cynical, uh, hard-hearted, stiff-necked, like God called the children of Israel, and go their own way. We do that, don't we? But God says, you don't have to. He says, come to me as a child, with that faith and believing in me. Have faith that I can do what I say I want to do. Have faith that I have a will for your life. Have faith in me and see what I'll do. I'll move mountains. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Church, we have a problem. We believe the opinions of people and and, and the, the things of this world, that, that we twist things around to fit our own need. When what we really need to do is focus on the Word of God. And as we focus on the Word of God and we see what He has for us in there and, and His will and, and, and His love for us and His forgiveness and, 
how he's made it possible for us to come before him anytime we want. We need to be quick to pray. To search our hearts to make sure we're not holding back on forgiveness. To understand that we're not serving God because he's only able. We're serving God because he has a will. And just because he doesn't do what we say or do what we ask doesn't mean he can't. It's just not his will. And if we can believe and trust in that, our prayer lives will change. We're going to try to change the way we pray. We're going to increase our prayer life. We're going to increase us calling out to God. Because as our problems increase, as our world changes daily, we need to be praying for people, praying for the world, praying for our church, praying for the seeds that we plant, praying for our children who face things that none of us had to face when we were in school. And we serve a God who's able. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you now, Father. And Father, we thank you, Father. What an awesome, awesome uh, thing you've given us, Father, that we can come to you and we can come to the throne of grace anytime we want. But we don't. Father, don't let us be hard-hearted. Let us feel that childlike love for our Father and come to him, Father, just to spend time to share our concerns, to share the people in our life, to share the situations that we go through, but also to praise you for how you work in our life, to praise you for forgiveness of our sins, praise you for, for seeing you move through the church, uh, through our community, Father, and see that you're still saving people. There's still time, Father, for people to come to know Christ. You're still planting the seeds. You still have a will for us to go out and witness to people and tell people about Jesus. Father, help us to do that. We can only do that by the power of prayer. Father, you work through the prayers of your people. What an awesome responsibility that is. But what awesome love that you have for us. Lord, don't let me be the mountain that stops you from moving your will through this church. Remove the mountains in our life, Father, that hold us back, that keep us serving self and not serving you. To help us to live in doubt and fear and anger. And we serve a God who loves us so much. Father, I pray for the people out there who are suffering, who are hurting, Father. Let them see how much you love them. How you have all the answers. And Father, we don't understand everything happens in this world. But one day we'll get all the answers. When your perfect will is revealed to us in heaven. Father, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Christ as your Savior, I pray today would be the day. Father, because you're calling out with love, but you're not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Father, speak to the hearts. Open their eyes. Let them see Jesus for who he truly is. The one who gave forgiveness. The one who gave love to someone who had no love. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together and sing our final hymn of praise. Have that in mind.